0: Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash Sports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash Sports. That's Indeed.com slash Sports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Sports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light.
1: Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
2: Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner, gets up center! Perry! Oh! Corey Perry! Well, you able to shake away from Solani, it's giving away to. This- Well, uh, that that didn't last long, did it? Woo, uh, yeah, I can uh, get rid of this uh, streak beard now that I started. It's a good thing. If you ever want to start a streak beard with the ducks this season, eh, just go a week. Go, go, lose shave again. Your beard. That's what you have to go. <laughs> yeah. oh, now, no, yeah, I have to be in front of the public at some point. You know, you got to uh, trim it back, and I'll be pat running around with a beard like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well,
1: if you guys didn't catch it, which I'm sure you all did. Earlier today, really early, another matinee game. The Ducks lost three nothing to the New York Islanders in what was, uh, we say this pretty much once or twice a week, the most boring game of the season. It, uh, it
2: was, not, it <laughs> was weird. not a fun one. It keeps doing. It keeps doing that. It's weird. <laughs> Pretty much,
1: yeah. It, it was it was oh, not a man. fun game. Uh, Chad Johnson gets the start in net because of the back-to-back. Uh, he didn't play bad, but it, it kind of had the writing on the wall on what type of game it was going to be in the beginning considering the Islanders had won four straight coming in and were top of their division. They were just one of the hottest teams in the league. Not no. too many adjustments. Like I said, Johnson versus Lehner. Uh, Sam Carrick comes in for Justin Kluse. Uh, he gets the call to replace the human crash car dummy you said of last game.
2: <laughs> yes, just took uh,
1: about forty hits in that last game.
2: So. It felt like it. Yeah, I think he's. I think his mind is still somewhere over there in New Jersey.
1: Yeah. It, again, not a ton of news, and that's why doing these on the back to backs is sometimes just a, a bummer. Because especially when they lose, because there's literally nothing else going on. The only news before the game. There's no injury updates. It was pretty much Sam Kerr coming in. delzato yeah. and Suster were still scratched. So not much going on. Let's get into the breakdown so at least we can get this over with right away. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's
2: not put people through uh, the misery for too long twice in a row.
1: Yeah, it, it, it's safe to say it's not going to be too long of a show today. But nope. getting into the first period, started off where the Islanders came out pretty hot. Carter Rowney mm-hmm. had a massive block at the side of the net oh. tonight to, to deny a goal. That was about two minutes into the game, and uh, yeah. the Islanders were all over them early.
2: Yeah, uh, that one was uh, – they were saying in the broadcast that the, uh, the bounces off the Nassau Coliseum – oh, and for those of you who don't know, they're kind of doing like – Half of their games are at the uh, so old Barclay weird. Center. The new one's kind of at the Nassau Coliseum, which has been redone. So now it, it used to be like 16,000 seats. Now it's 14,000 seats. But anyways, yeah. they kind of did minor little upgrades here and there. But uh, apparently the boards are really, really jumpy. Uh, and that kind of caught uh, Johnson a little bit uh, off, uh, you know, just a little bit. He, he didn't quite read it off of there. Kind of mishandles it, throws it right up the middle. and should have been a goal uh and uh, if it wasn't for uh, rounding getting in there with uh, his uh, shin guard or his skate or whatever he got in front of that it was uh would have been quite the ominous start if that one had actually gone in uh wouldn't have to wait too much longer for uh all that to uh happen anyways but
1: it's funny <laughs> how <laughs> cutting out 2000 seats and then winning also helps fill out your arena because yeah, yeah. <laughs> watching that arena, about two—the uh, last time they were there, there was just like 2015. I think was the last time they were yeah. at Nassau Coliseum. It was a ghost town. It was like what we yeah. see with Florida right now. Nobody mm-hmm. showed up, and now all of a sudden, all of the hardcore that. fans that John all- <laughs> John Ellis was saying on the on the broadcast, they show yeah. up because the team's winning. If they weren't winning, yeah. I doubt even at fourteen thousand that arena would be selling up.
2: Yeah, uh, with the only exception of maybe, you know, absence makes the uh, heart grow fonder. So maybe all of a sudden they were gone. Everyone goes, oh, we didn't know what we had. Please come back, you know, yeah. and uh, maybe, maybe. But yeah, if it was it's the Islanders team that, you know, most people thought was going to happen, uh, that that place wasn't going to be uh, nearly as sold out as it, as it has been.
1: Yeah, now they have a nice playoff split where they play the first round in Nassau and then the rest of it at Barclays Center. We didn't even think they'd be talking <laughs> about weird. playoffs, but now they've got yeah. some kind of arrangement for that. But yeah. I, I, I guess a new Allers quote you put in here? He said, what's good for the Goose is good for the Ducks?
2: Yeah, Alders. Yeah, he said that. Uh, it was uh, some, some play where uh, the Ducks got some sort of advantage. I forgot exactly what it was. This game happened a little while ago, so I'm trying to remember exactly how that happened. But yeah, it, it was a quote I hadn't heard him say before, but he goes, well, what's good for the goose is good for the Ducks. And I'm like, oh, oh man! like my soul hurts every time. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> and I guess he's got to really pop it up so that the uh, TV audience can uh, you know stay awake for these games. Yeah.
1: Pretty much. And then, well, the Ducks yeah, yeah. get a penalty for too many men on the ice, which is just a, a ridiculous penalty to take at this point. But uh, well, I'm not yeah. surprised. The Ducks just they seem not to be able to change regularly mm. this year, whether it's in overtime and just allowing a two on one or getting a too many men on the ice penalty. And it comes yeah. back to hurt them because they can't clear, which is going to become a trend for this entire game. Justin, or Josh Bailey, sorry, corrals the puck and feeds Clutterbuck in the slot, and we know Clutterbuck is a world-renowned sniper, and Mm -hmm. he wires it to the blocker side on Chad Johnson, which will become a trend as well in this game because he does it again. Uh, yeah. bad coverage by the Ducks to allow Clutterbuck in the slot, and just a bad attempt to clear it in the beginning. I mean, this was an issue in uh, New Jersey, even though they won. The last goal of yeah. the game, they couldn't clear it, and they went over to Jesper Bratt, who almost got uh, a tying goal as well, and he scored the yeah. the goal to get them within one. And yeah. in this one, they can't clear it at all, and then they try clearing it up the middle, and it goes right yeah. to Josh Bailey, who is able to feed Clutterbuck, and he's unmarked.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This was kind of a power play. So usually there there might be someone left open. But uh, yeah, it was kind of like one that went through the air. Uh, Bailey, you know, gets it, puts it down, looks like he might give a shot, but immediately like gives it off and and wide open Cal Clutterbuck, which normally isn't a problem because it's Cal Clutterbuck. But uh, the dude has actually been somewhat hot right now as a fourth-line guy. Somehow he's on the power play, and uh, it, yeah. it was a hot hand uh, for the day. So he goes there, he shoots it. I wish Chad Johnson had come out a little bit more because he wasn't cut off by surprise. He saw Bailey. He moved to get in front of Clutterbuck. But he was deep. He was about halfway into his crease where his feet were. And on a play like that from the slot, you probably need to come out and challenge a little bit more. Because when they did a behind the view of Cal- Clutterbuck shooting, there were spots everywhere. And it just went high stick. But if you come out and take away that angle a little bit, then maybe you get a piece of it because it wasn't barred down or posting in on this one. So, uh, you know, I wish he was maybe a little bit more aggressive, but at the same time, that's just, it's a bad penalty is the first thing, uh, and yeah. second thing is kind of a breakdown of coverage right in the middle, I mean, don't give anybody a chance there, even Kyle Clutterbuck.
1: Well, they've reunited the what used to be the best fourth line in hockey, in Matt Martin, yeah. Kyle Clutterbuck, and Casey Zizekas, and uh, I mean, this was on the power play, which is already weird that Kyle Clutterbuck is on the power play to begin with, Exactly. Um, yeah. that shows you how much, I don't know and understand how the Islanders are where they are if they're putting Cal Clutterbuck on the power play. Like, they've got Barzell and Bailey. And Nelson and Lee, but I guess after that, you know, that's why you're putting Cal Clutterbuck on the power play because you don't have a lot of options. But
2: yeah, I mean, it's a team that rolls four lines. They said that repeatedly in the broadcast yeah. as well. And Barry Trotz is known for doing that. Uh, Cal Clutterbuck is a uh, you know physical guy. Same with uh, Matt Martin in uh, out there as well. So I feel like maybe he's one of those net front presence uh, guys that maybe Probably. he's going to try and take away and guys he can maybe push around and, and get to the front there. Maybe that's why on the second line, but, uh, man, Barry to looking pretty smart putting him out there.
1: Yeah, exactly, and then yeah. Cal Clutterbuck will come <gasps> back and get another goal, and like we said, it's a trend. Ducks couldn't clear again, goes to Adam Pelich at the point, and a, a lot of the guys on this blue line for the Islanders can fire the puck, and, and he just yeah. wires one. That rebounds right to Kyle Clutterbuck in the exact same spot, and he fires pretty much the exact same shot to the top mm-hmm. corner blocker sideline. Chad Johnson, almost identical goal. This one wasn't on the power play, but Kyle Clutterbuck picks up his second of the game and sixth of the season.
2: Yeah, this one definitely had a similar a similarness, uh, but also you know slightly different. Lindholm has a chance behind the net to to make somewhat of an outlet pass. His backhand goes in front of Raquel behind getzloff it's just kind of like that and goes kind of right to the point where the guy is takes takes a shot like you said uh one of the underrated things that the islanders have they don't have you know big huge names or puck moving defensemen necessarily but all yeah. of them are, for the most part, all of them can bomb shots. And this, this actually wasn't a bomb of a shot. This was fluttered. It started off about uh, hip high on uh, Chad Johnson, but it was all flutter. Yeah. And, uh, as it gets closer to him, it dips right down. And so instead of something that he can catch, blocker hit to the side. He's pretty much don't let this flutter one go in. And as a goalie, you just tighten everything up, hits it kind of right on the pad, and unfortunately bounces right back into the middle. And even Kyle Clutterbuck, it hits his stick he's flat, Johnny kind of on one the of those. Spot. Well, Johnny on the spot, right? (laughs) With allers. And so he he ends up taking that chance. And it just because it hits so flat on there, he all just whips it. And not only does it whip it, it yes stick side again. So another familiar thing. But this one goes off of both post and in, you know, the backside of the other one. But uh, it definitely hits post. And on that one, I don't fault Johnson nearly as much. That's a hard puck to do much with when it first gets to you. And then a whip shot like that is hard to pick up off of the stick. And even if you could have picked it up, post and in. What are you going to do? You, you hope it doesn't, but it does. So, Both of them man, are sucks. hard, too,
1: because he's taking yeah. that shot right from a prime, basically the best shooting position on the ice, right between that, yeah. the circles. So, I mean, that's yeah. going to go in most of the time, no matter who you are. If you're Kyle Clutterbuck <laughs> or if you're Connor McDavid, that's going to go the, in the back of the
2: net. The chances are good. Yeah.
1: So, Letcock says in the chat, the lack of puck possession, clearing the puck, and shots are the downfall of this team. I think we would agree with that. But he says Is that a 100% system-based, though.
2: No uh yeah i i would say it's not i i say it's a lot of uh listen it, it seems like almost everyone's having a, an off season just things aren't clicking there's no swift movement about you know the system no i don't think it's like hey you know you guys need to be putting in this way and then it keeps getting turned over because that's where they're being told to put it yeah it's more like they're making mental mistakes they're not quite sharp they're not making really good decisions about uh, the only thing I could say is, like, I'd like to see what worked last year when there weren't nearly as many mental farts that they were having all the yeah. time. Uh, that might be something to at least look at or consider at this point. But we're 50 games into the season. I don't think that's going to happen uh, at this point. So it's everyone's either got to try and wake up or start reading each other a little bit better. So, uh, yeah, that 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 sucks. And, uh, you know, it's it's almost a trademark of this season. It's just you can't get it out. If you have it, you're probably going to give it away, even though you're probably wide open. You're going to make a poor decision defensively. It's just very rarely are we moving out of our zone cohesively, and everyone seems to be on the same page. That happens once every 10 games maybe, I and not for a h- full game.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's 100%. <laughs> On the system, I think it's close, but you know, Lecox brings makes a good point. He says maybe puck possession and shots are on the system, but turnovers in their own zone is a player's problem, and I agree with that because mm-hmm. no matter what system you're playing, if your defensemen are turning over the puck in their own zone. It, I, I don't think that's a product of what system or what, what coach you have in place. That's just the back end this year has had has been inept at clearing the puck, and it's it goes all the way across. Hampton Slinto and Brandon Montour, more specifically and recently, Josh Manson and Cam Fowler haven't been able to do that, and then the bottom pairing at times, no matter who's bound, been down there, has had a problem, and, and even the forwards coming back in have had trouble clearing the puck. What led to the Jesper Brack goal was Getzlaff trying to clear the puck last night, so... They just haven't been able to get clean zone exits. That's been a problem all year. Uh, that goes into puck possession, so they're, they're kind of closely linked between the system and the players. Just not playing at a level I think that we're used to. But mm-hmm. it, I, you still got to put a lot of their issues, especially puck possession, p- possession issues on the system.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, definitely mental lapses on players. Player, these players are just they're having a real rough go of it, and I don't know why they can't seem to break out of it, but they can't.
1: I guess uh, not really a bright spot of the period, but Troy Terry, Derek Grant, and Max Jones continued to look pretty good. You know, Terry drew uh, uh, drew a slashing penalty at the end of a solid shift by that line,
0: Mm. and uh,
1: Max Jones had a couple of chances in this game, too. He almost got his first goal. Not a lot of shots going on, but they they had a quality chance, and and I think that line's looked pretty good. We talked about it on the last show yesterday, that they're generating Mm. some chemistry almost off the bat, and Derek Grant just seems to have fit
2: in there. Yeah, absolutely. They were by far the best line last game and this game, in my opinion. Uh, it's the one of the only lines that uh, Carlisle's not really messing around with. He's 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 tinkering everywhere else, uh, um, you know, all over the place. Uh, but uh, he's leaving that one intact for good reason. Um, whether. You know, like just small little things that I noticed, like Troy Terry dumps it in where you think, oh, that's bad. Everyone else maybe dumps it in, and then it's kind of like, well, let's see what they do when the team gets the pop. Troy Terry dumps it in, and then he goes, gets it, or he chases down the guy. He tries yeah. to force a turnover. Max Jones will go to the front of the net, or he's on the other side in case it gets rimmed around. It's like they seem to be a little bit better in position. Uh, I don't know if that's a little bit of, oh, we came from this style of play and no one else seems to be doing what we're doing but this is what we're used to so we're kind of doing it this way yeah. so uh, once again i don't know if that's maybe a, a coaching thing in san diego that seems to be working really well and a difference versus how carlisle has been coaching the rest of the guys i don't know but it's fun to watch because that line's at least something to to cheer for and and l- get excited about
1: I think it's a product of none of these guys have been here all year. They're all new additions, and, and either Grant through trade or Terry and Jones coming up for the minors, that they're coming in and they, they got to make a difference. they got to prove themselves, especially Jones and Terry have to come in and, and just play with a lot of energy, which they have been. You, you can't come up and just fit right in and, and be one of the cogs in the machine and expect to stay up and, and, and not get sent down back down to San Diego at some point. I think they will, no matter what, when all the injuries Finally, the, the guys come back from injury, but they have been playing well, and they have a lot of energy, especially Max Jones. I mean, he hasn't got on the score sheet, but he's looked good and looked dangerous in all three games since coming up. Uh, yeah. David brings up a guy that we have kind of been talking about recently, but isn't getting a lot of minutes. He said he's sung, song, uh, sung sprongs praises since he was acquired. Uh, he believes he's <laughs> had that about three five times points. <laughs> yeah, he, he believes he's had about five points in, in his last five games. Yet yeah, he's only yeah. getting a little bit more than ten minutes of ice time. I, I think more more so than that, he's probably got demoted from that top line, and that's why we're seeing less minutes. He's getting the occasional power play time. I think he's on the second unit or the, probably the first unit right now. And mm-hmm. then the problem is he's out there playing third or fourth line minutes because he's not mm-hmm. playing with uh, Getzlaff and Raquel, or at least the other night he was, and he's not playing with Henrik and Richie Mm -hmm. until recently. So I I think he should play more. Honestly, when you look at that right side, he's probably the most dangerous guy they have with Cash and Silverberg out out of the lineup. And if he's only playing 10 minutes of ice time or a little bit more than that a night, this is probably a guy who should be playing 13 to 15 minutes a night.
2: Yeah, he's one of the guys, too, with uh, the injuries that we have out that is stepping up. He almost does it individually on whatever line he's on. Um, you know, he's not getting the top power play. Uh, this you know, at least the last, last couple of games, it's gone to Henrique, uh, Richie, uh, Raquel, Getzloff, and Fowler for the most yeah. part. Uh, so you know, he, he's going to take a little bit of hit and time there, but when he is out there, he's making the most of it. Yeah, I would love to see if he's doing that with limited time. What can you do with maybe an expanded role? And let's be honest, Getzloff hasn't done much. Uh, Raquel's had a goal here or there, um, uh, but. You know, play them maybe a little bit less. Play other lines. If you don't want to put them on a the line with them, at least give them a little bit more of a chance because those lines are at least proving to be something useful at this point. Because right now, everything else just seems to be kind of sitting down. Why not give, you know, two, you know, two, three more minutes to Sprong and maybe kind of dial back Getzloff and Raquel? Because at this point, they're not really utilizing. They, they, they're kind of ghosts a little bit. I mean, they're out there and you know they're there, but they're, there's nothing happens from it. It just seems like nothing
1: yeah and to put it in perspective uh, Sprong had the second lowest minutes of any player on the Ducks tonight Brian he had 1024 Brian Gibbons had 953 and then you look at some of the guys who played more than him Sam Carrick played over 14 minutes Derek Grant played 16 and a half minutes Uh, Carter Rowney had over 13 minutes Nick Ritchie had 16 Henrik had 15 like he played significantly less than a lot of these guys and guys that we thought were his line mates but You know, to think Sam Carrick is getting injected into the lineup and playing four more minutes than Daniel Sprong, who's played pretty well as of late. He's been one of the better ducks over their their tough stretch, and it's kind of ridiculous that, you know, he's not getting any playing time. Maybe it's a Pontus Albert-type situation where they don't like his defensive effort, but if that's the case, I mean, it doesn't matter if he's putting up offense, and I don't think he's been necessarily bad defensively, so... I'd love to hear an explanation for why he's playing uh, four minutes less than Sam Carrick. I'm sure we're not going to get it, but it's kind of ridiculous.
2: Yeah, it's kind of weird because they they started the uh, game with, you know, uh, Getzloff, Richie, and Raquel. Uh, then they actually moved Raquel off of that top line. You saw Carrick with Richie and Getzloff, which didn't seem to make much of a difference at any point yeah. in the game. So, uh, you know, if you're still easy you know or it's so easy to go ahead and plug him in and take raquel out why wouldn't it be as easy to put in a guy who has been one of your goal scorers uh when you desperately need goal scoring um I- i'm not quite sure either and i, I saw Sprong on a couple of shifts he looked good i mean he at least had energy he was yeah. skating he it looked like he had purpose like a lot of times I'm watching guys kind of roll in, roll back, but Sprong has been different. He's been a guy he has been like, I got to go here, I got to get to there, I got to go there. I mean, he's same same thing as you know Troy Terry and uh, Max Jones and Derek Grant, where it's just like I need to get to this, I need to keep going, that sort of deal. And more of the team doesn't seem that, so I don't know why you don't give that guy more chance, uh, a bigger uh, chance.
1: Let's get the rest of this game through, because there's not much that's fun after this, uh, yeah. after this first period. Not that the first period was fun by any means, but the Ducks uh, were down 2-0 after the first, outshot 12-5, to outchanced 11-3 to in all situations. So just an ugly period all around. Uh, getting into the second, they did almost score. Robin Lehner mm-hmm. made a mistake, which is pretty rare of him lately. Uh, he turned over yeah. the puck behind <laughs> the net, and the Ducks couldn't finish, uh, of course. Yeah. Robin Lehner getting a bit of a luck, uh, but yeah. then and he get, makes a pretty good stop. Probably his best stop of the game, I would say. Not the guy you want on a breakaway, but Josh Manson gets free and clear. Uh, he yeah. misses five-hole. Not really a deek. I mean, he broadcasted. He was going to go backhand the whole way. And Laner is a super aggressive goaltender to begin yeah. with. And uh, he really pushes out on that one. Puts himself out of position. So if the puck comes free there, then <laughs> it's gotta keep slow a chance. Along. <laughs> but uh, he makes a good save. He, he played it pretty well.
2: Yeah, this whole play kind of starts because uh, one of the common themes that seem to be happening there in the beginning uh, through at least the first half of the game is New York Islander sticks seem to just blow up whenever they want to shoot it. Uh, I count about three, I think three broken sticks in the first period. And so this this chance was another one where a stick broke. Uh, blew up and uh, literally the guy the one defenseman who's trying to chase down josh manson doesn't have a stick to, to check him let him know he's there so this is as clear cut of a breakaway as you're going to kind of get with someone on on your back uh he makes a nice move he, he misses pretty much in my opinion he, he tries to slide it in but but shoots it back just a little bit too much because there was an opening and even liner uh leonard didn't even know where it was because it hit that and it just caught it he's like looking behind him as he slide and he thinks it's in but it just kind of catches and sticks on the pad it's just one of those things where once again this is like they get some of those chances and then the puck luck kind of goes away we've, we've been yeah. getting the puck luck the last two games this game it's kind of back to where it was we, we're not getting those lucky bounces when you'd really hope we would but good stop I mean lucky enough but uh, you know he stuck with it and he, he didn't get beat
1: what's crazy about this Islanders team is I think when you look at their goaltenders going into the season you wouldn't have expected them to be a as good as they have been, both of them. I mean, now they've got yeah. back-to-back shutouts. Grice posted a shutout in their last game before this, and now yeah. Laner. They weren't big shutouts. I think Grice had a 17-save shutout, and Laner had a 19-save shutout, but that's testament to just the ability that the Islanders have on defense to suppress shots. They've been doing it all season. <laughs> Barry Trotz has come in and just revitalized that that entire team defensively, which, you know, Ken Hitchcock was the guy that everybody thought would do that, where he would come into a mm-hmm. team... And the defense would just get a lot better, but then the goals would kind Mm -hmm. of go away. And the Islanders, the defense has gotten significantly better. They have the best defense in the entire league, but the goals really haven't disappeared. And they've, like you said, they're rolling four lines and getting goals from pretty much everybody.
2: Yeah, so these guys aren't tired. Their fourth line is actually not too terrible. I mean, they got a couple of, you know, the heavy hitters. You wouldn't expect to score goals, but they're potting in stuff. Um, And then they have Fipula on there. I always, I, I like him. He doesn't score as much as I think he should. He kind of misses things every now and again. But I mean, if he's on your fourth line, I think he was on the third or at one time second line on Tampa. So I mean, that's that's not a bad fourth line guy to have. But yeah, they were not only were they bad last year. I mean, as far as they were, they were the worst team defensively, 31st in the league. Yeah. Uh, they had given up the most goals in 11 years in the NHL for a team. So they they weren't bad. They were you know something we hadn't seen in a decade bad. Uh, and then they go from that to the best defensive team. And all I did was they lost John Tavares and they gain uh, Barry Trotz. So yeah. you almost got to say, you know, good for Lou Lamarillo for being able to actually be able to pull Barry Trotz in. And kudos to Barry Trotz. He's now that coach that plug him in somewhere. He will make that team better defensively. Good yeah. on Nashville. Great in Washington. And now with the Islanders.
1: And they lost Calvin DeHaan on the blue line as well. So their defense, yeah. not only did they lose John Tavares <laughs> up front, they lost a, one probably their best defenseman on the on the back end and somehow just adding Trotz and, and Laner got them better. Um, yeah. it, probably the best shift of, of the game for the Ducks came from a line that somehow they all got stuck out there together. I don't know if Carlisle was putting them out there together on purpose, but Henrik, Raquel, and Jones were out there at one point together on a line. And mm-hmm. it was probably the best pressure the Ducks had all game. They were in the Islanders' zone for about a minute and a half and Jones got his best chance to pot his first NHL goal that he's had in the three games he's been up. He had a good Mm -hmm. chance in front where he out-muscled his man and got a good chance on Laner and and Laner made the pad save, but maybe we could, like this, I wouldn't mind seeing this line at this point. I never thought about putting these guys together. We talked about on the last show Getzlaff and Raquel going with Max Jones. Not Mm -hmm. saying that this would be a likely scenario, but Give it a shot. I mean, the essay was a super small sample size, a minute and a half, yep. that they look good. That <laughs> is as small yeah. as it can get. But right hmm. now, when you're looking for goals, I would give it a shot, test it out. Obviously, he was shifting Raquel with uh, Henrique or maybe Jones with Henrique or something, the fact that they all got stuck out there. But it's worth a shot if, if they're going to be able to produce on a regular basis
2: yeah i mean that's that's another chance to go i mean that's what's going to happen it used to be henry kasha and richie for a long time and now obviously with injuries and then kind of moving richie up to the the top line to give a little bit more size uh, i'm wondering if maybe he heard our podcast from yesterday and uh <laughs> is kind of slowly moving jones up to the top line see if he can start taking richie's spot and uh gave it a shot with uh Henrique and Raquel, obviously, um, you know, a lot more uh, skill and talent with those guys. And, uh, it, you know, yeah, it was a great power move to get to the front, which we don't see too often. So it's it's fun to see. Give it a shot. I, I, I hesitate to change up the one line that's working too well. And, you know, with uh, Terry and Grant and Jones. But, I mean, if you got a chance to maybe change things up for a shift or two. Uh, yeah, I would like we said, we wouldn't mind seeing Jones get uh higher up on that uh, depth chart as far as the, the lines go because every, every line can use a guy who's willing to go to the net, especially if you have yeah. other skilled players that aren't necessarily that type.
1: Yeah, and, and, and any line, just like we talked about Andre Cash, it can use that energy, it's that speed, the, the drive, mm-hmm. the hustle. Any, any line can benefit from having that on it. Uh, but after that, of course, the Islanders come back the other way and Leo Komarov, the big off-season addition for the New York Islanders, oh, gets yeah. a goal. Uh, Devin Taves has come up from the minors for them. It's been really good. He takes a point shot that just completely changes direction. It reminds me, I think it yeah. was Gibbons' goal in the Minnesota game where he deflected it down on the ice and it went right between Stalox's Stalox legs. Pads. Yeah. This was pretty similar where it was going to go wide and Komarov <laughs> tips it right down onto the ice into the corner. Nothing Johnson can do. This is what they brought in Komarov to do is to get in front of the net and basically just be a, a presence there. Yeah, he gets a good deflection on it and tough one. It's a tough one because they were looking a little bit better and this is
2: one you can't really help. Yeah. Uh, kind of broke the back. Um, Normally, I will always come to the goalie's defense on this one. I I can tell you a little bit, uh, just looking at that initial shot, the way Johnson was tracking it, didn't look like it had much chance of actually going in. That's probably one you let sail away. Uh, Maybe you you start getting your pad up there. But to go full bore, I'm going to get my whole body up here. Yeah. While there's someone in front of you, that's kind of a no-no. Uh, I mean, if you've got people in front of you, even if you're you're starting to track it a little bit higher, you, you maybe just kind of hold pat, just wait and see where it goes. Because if it's going over there, I'm not going to waste energy trying to trying to do this because you know it's it's low percentage. Let let it fly over you, track it all the way in. If it bounces off of something, try and pick it up. So it looks a lot worse too than it probably was. But at the same time, I think that's maybe just a little bit of a decision where. You hold back, track it, and be aware of where your net is and where that puck's going. If that's looking like it's going top corner, you, you can you can be up, but you don't have to jump up like that. That's that's yeah. not going to help a whole lot. I mean, he was standing when the puck went past him. Stalox one, he was kind of already in a set position, and then it just went down. He couldn't get down quick enough. Yeah. Uh, so that that one looked a little bit off. But once again, it's a guy has not had a chance to play an NHL game in the last month. He's been sitting right. down. So, I mean, he probably wants to stand a lot more. So <laughs> I think
1: he's just, he's just thinking too far ahead at that point where you're yeah. not really noticing who's in front of the net and thinking mm. about the fact that it could get tipped down. Because that, I mean, that doesn't happen often, but he's thinking no. it's going to come up high and he's going to catch in his chest. It honestly wasn't even going that high, where if he was standing up, he probably would have just caught it in the stomach rather than the shoulder. So a little bit of a bad decision by him. But the Ducks come out of the second period down 3-0. Shots total 17-13 Islanders. So they kind of cut it down a little bit, uh, but not a great period. Not really that many high-danger chances for the Ducks. Scoring chances, I think, in every period, but the third were in favor of the Islanders, and the Ducks really couldn't get that many high-danger chances going anyway. Um, yeah. we, they started pretty good in the third. No, still no dangerous chances at all.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, well, at least you know they just you know knew it's the third period. Hey, we're going back home after this. Let's just unload as many shots as we can to start this third period. Right. And I I think they finally got their first shot about the ten minute mark somewhere in there. While well, they're trailing three nothing, you know credit to the Islanders. Every team's been having a problem getting shots against them. Uh, you know, the Washington Capitals, you know, you think of a juggernaut as uh, uh, offense, uh, only managed, uh, you know, 17 shots in the last game against them. But they had chances. They, they seem to be kind of making, you know, their presence known. Uh, but even then, on the few chances that kind of went the other way, the Islanders got shots. They looked, you know, more dangerous. The Ducks held possession, but it was just shots either were high, wide, passes just missed. They got blocked. It just they were there, but nothing from it. So nothing was really dangerous, and you can't have that trying to crawl your way back in against the best defensive yeah. team, and you got to wait till the 10-minute mark to get your first shot, and you're still down by three goals.
1: Yeah, and, and a guy we talked about a lot on the last show, was cam fowler and he had another tough game today he had a horrible turnover in the third period that almost led to a goal Uh, and it was just another game from cam fowler where you you put it as a soft game where he just had some poor decisions with the puck didn't really look comfortable and he's kind of been like that since he came back he really hasn't looked like the same guy and all season Honestly, he's struggled. Josh Manson has struggled. Hampus Lindholm to some extent has struggled. The only guy I think has taken a step forward has been Brandon Montour. Montour, and, yeah. And when you've got three of your your four best defensemen who've struggled all year, that's this is what you're gonna get. You're gonna get a lot of games where you can't clear the puck, you can't get clean zone exits, you can't actually make some decent passes from the back end and a lot of that starts with Cam Fowler.
2: Yeah. Um yeah, he's he's the one like I said, yeah, you know <laughs> Soft game, like I said, it just, it just, he's, the, the tenacity is not quite there. Um, you know, he's got good skating ability. Uh, his decision making has been the problem that's been bothering me. It's been really bothering me since he's been back, but it's been a slow, you know, that way for most of it. It hasn't been to this extent, like I've seen since he's come back. Uh, it's like one one little step up from that, but uh, this, this he's got enough skating ability. Uh, that makes him you know still dangerous and a good defender but if he doesn't have that skating ability the decisions he's made specifically this season you're looking at him as maybe a four or five defenseman i mean because his skating's good you can't really put him as a fifth defenseman but his decision making's been has been god-awful it's yeah. it's been really bad it, it's just turnovers uh, you know that would have easily probably been a goal against chad johnson it was him who made the turnover and then it's a skating ability they got him back in front of the net and barely yeah. makes like a, a kick save with his own skate like by by the blade uh he makes that save on his own so i mean that skating ability is he gets in trouble and sometimes he can skate himself out of trouble but if he doesn't have that skating ability he's he's not a very good defenseman at least this season he's just making bad decisions yeah.
1: this season's been a tough year for him let's yeah. wrap up a bow on the rest of this third period just quickly sum it up because there wasn't a lot of good for the ducks to to finish out the third uh Eberle had a good hard drive to the net johnson made a pretty good save uh, mm-hmm. martin had a two-on-one that fourth line again he hit the post yeah. the, the, the the fourth liners for the islanders we've they've They've talked about this before. Way back in the day when they were all together, like I said, they were considered one of the best fourth lines in hockey because they were Clutterbuck and and Martin were almost putting up 20 goals back in the day. So they were a threat in this game, almost counted for three goals on the night. Komarov is pretty much a fourth liner. He's a third liner, so their bottom six really chipped in. Uh, The Ducks' best chance of the period came from Derek Grant. It. he stole the pass and got a, a slot from the shot in on Laner. Yeah. but again super aggressive the way Laner plays he comes charging out and really cuts down the angle completely mm-hmm. to make a save doesn't allow a rebound holds the puck in and he just looked great he he was calm cool collected the entire game didn't face a lot of shots but it didn't seem to phase him
2: yeah exactly yeah he makes a little bit of a push you know to, to get out there you know and, and, and what was good is that he he stuck with it. So the shot came and it was one that could have gotten between the, you know, his sticks, uh, his blocker side and his body kind of did. But but because he was kind of squeezing, he knew where it was and he was making a spin to it and was able to kind of gather. There really wasn't much of a rebound where it what could have been a very dangerous situation. But that that aggressiveness of coming out at the right time, instinctual. And so, you know, Laners kind of got that in Buffalo. He was going to face a lot more shots, and that's where you kind of saw a lot of mistakes happen. He's really come on the last couple of years. Uh, This year, with the way the Islanders are playing, he's, he's playing a lot better. He's making good decisions at the right time. And unorthodox goalies become very, very annoying to shoot against because yeah. you're not quite sure what they're going to do. They don't follow the same textbooks you are used to. Uh, and then it can be frustrating. You can take advantage of it from time to time, but right now everything's coming up roses for liner and Grice for that matter.
1: Yeah, so obviously you guys all know at this point, the Ducks end up losing 3 nothing, outshot 29-19 to to the New York Islanders. They don't play again till Wednesday, so we've got a little bit of time off, and that's actually the last game of the month, which I didn't realize. Because of the All-Star break, then the Ducks have their bye week immediately right <laughs> after that. So there's a a long period of time between the Wednesday game against the St. Louis Blues and they don't play again until February second. Yeah. So we've got a little bit of a break. Yeah. A little bit of break, which will be nice. Uh, but let's before we get into any of our post game stuff, let's go to some of the questions we had in the chat. There was a few that we had back. People Uh, had questions? Yeah, we actually (laughs) surprisingly enough. And a yeah. show that is seven hours late on a Sunday night. We had some people show up, so it was, it was pretty nice. But uh, yeah. Frank's And Frank's... I'm on the
2: show, so no one shows up yeah. for this.
1: Oh, come on. <laughs> we had a pretty good turnout yesterday. Don't worry about that. Frank says, I know this is a hard question to answer, but looking at the current Ducks payroll, could we see Ricard Raquel being attached with a high-salary player, for example, Ryan Getzlaff, in a trade? Nope. no, That's an uh, NHL what... 19 trade.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, if, if yeah, when you could get away with that stuff, yeah. you just throw a whole bunch of draft picks at it, and all of a sudden they go, "Yeah, that makes sense now." Uh, yeah, no. Uh, a. Ryan Getzlaf's got a no movement contract. Um, B. Why would you get rid of your your best asset and your captain? Um, Raquel is on such a team friendly deal. Yeah, he's struggling this season, but the whole team is. I'm not willing to call this, uh, you know, a wash. Let's get rid of that guy and get someone else. No. Uh, how much younger and more skilled are you going to get for a guy like that? At the cost that he is, you're not going to really find it. Uh, it's unfortunate. Um, you're almost going to have to just get on board with this season. The Ducks are very unlikely, in my opinion, to make the playoffs. Uh, but that's not be- that's not you. That's not them needing to make drastic changes like getting rid of Raquel's contract, given his talent. Now, if he continues on that way, and we're down the road a little bit. Yeah, maybe that might make sense. But that contract is so nice for what he has the potential to do, there's no way you really even try to move him. Unless there's someone just throwing god-awful amounts of talent your way, then maybe...
1: And and at that point though it that question reminds me of the debate that people had over tying Bobby Ryan's contract to Eric Carlson. They were worried that if you're going to do that, you're going to get less for Eric Carlson than you would if you just trade him on your own. Of course, in the end, Ottawa traded him on his own. They didn't get much for him anyway. <laughs> didn't get but Jack Crab. <laughs> yeah, but the the argument behind it it was it had some sound logic to it that if you attach Mm -hmm. a bad contract to a good player you're going to get less for them because you're going to have to compensate for the fact that you're handing them a bad contract and ryan gets is a great player so let's not use him as the tying a contract to let's just say ryan kessler for example because i think that one makes a little bit more sense in that type of comparison if you want to tie a heavy contract to a, a very valuable asset you don't want to get less for Ricard Raquel. If you're looking to build a young team, he should be one of the centerpieces that they're looking to build this, the future of this team around. And if you attach Ryan Kessler's contract to that, you're going to get less for him than what you would want. Just to move Ryan Kessler's contract, I don't think it, it would be worth it. Or even Getz Laffer Perry, if you really wanted to get rid of that contract you might as well either just test the waters and see if there is a trade available just to take that guy on or in Kessler's case, just buy him out in the off season. There, there's no sense in sweetening the pot on that contract by throwing in Ricard Raquel, who should be a guy that especially on that contract that should be a duck for a very long time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And especially yeah, with like a Kessler for, for example, um, no one's going to want to take what Kessler is at what he's paid for how much longer he's getting paid for it. Uh, yeah. What that means is that the Ducks would probably be taking some of that money back, and then at that point, yeah, what's what advantage would it be to try and throw in your young player? You're already holding on to some of that contract. You're literally paying Ryan Kessler to play somewhere else, and then you're going to throw Raquel on there. I, I no, nah, it, it's attaching him's not a good a good move. No. in any um, fashion.
1: On the same topic of trades, Leckod said, "I'm hearing Henrik's name float around for a possible trade before the deadline. True or just the nobody's safe mentality? Um, I, I think it's the Patrick. second one. I think it's a nobody's safe mentality, except for yeah. a few players on this team. I think nobody nobody's safe. I mean, Getzlaf, Kessler, and Perry are safe because they have no move clauses. They can't yeah. be moved out. Um, Gibbs is not going anywhere. Yeah, Gibbs is not going anywhere. I would I would like to say Raquel's not going anywhere." And yeah. I would hope Hampus Lindholm's not going anywhere. But after that, yeah. I, I would say nobody's safe after that. I, I think, uh, like, obviously, Terry and Jones probably aren't going anywhere. But, like, as the core players of this team, I would mm-hmm. say the rest of them probably aren't safe. And I would even include Andre Kash's name in that. Not that he's been bad by any means, but if the Ducks get a good offer for him to make, you know, maybe move this team in a different direction, I, I don't think uh, that's a move they might, that, that they won't make at all like like John Gibson is a, is untouchable but Andre Cash, yeah. i wouldn't say he's untouchable
2: yeah i wouldn't say he's untouchable I mean it'd have to be a sweet offer for Bob Murray to want to try and do that yeah uh but at the same time the ducks also have to consider how injury prone kasha is and concussions and that style he plays which is speed and energy leaves him vulnerable to injuries and especially concussions so uh you know so it's he's it's definitely not untouchable in my mind even though he is a great offensive talent you may even weigh uh, you know a younger guy who's got you know a good potential like kasha but doesn't have that injury history if it makes sense but that's still a hard sell to get rid of Kasha in the yeah. most part. But as far as Henrique, that's not too hard of a sell. The offense hasn't quite been there. He did sign a five-year contract. Most teams do not sign guys, do long contracts, and then immediately get rid of them that same season. So uh, once again, it's kind of that bigger picture of the, the whole team's kind of suffering a little bit, and uh, I don't think that anyone's really uh, safe. But no one's really in too much danger at that point. I think the, the, the biggest one was more, you know, Cagliano, like, hey, anyone could be going. Just want you all to know that. Start, you know, picking it up where you can. Uh, but I don't think they're going to be doing too much big wheeling and dealing. That's really not Bob Murray style. It's, it's more of fringe, fringe work. Yeah. So he, he doesn't really kind of go for bigger names. And, you know, unless it's at the deadline or not the deadline, the uh, draft.
1: Yeah, and I think with Adam Henrique, uh, a lot of people are including him in that group that's been significantly worse this year. And I think he's one of those guys that maybe should be included in that group. Because if you look at his production last year, in the 57 games he played in Anaheim, he had 20 goals and 16 assists for 36 points. That's pretty good production. I mean, 20 goals was great. But that was kind of a a standoff. I mean, the guy had scored 23 times, and those were not full seasons. And he was able to score 20 in 57 games in Anaheim. Everything just seemed to work. If you look at his production, though, in New Jersey before he got traded, he had four goals and 10 assists in 24 games. Well, if you double that, that puts him almost exactly at where he is right now because he's got 27 points in 49 games, nine goals and 18 assists, pretty much at where he was production-wise before he got traded to the Ducks. I think he just got hot. When he came over to anaheim last year he's generally a 40 to 50 point guy a 50 point guy in a good year he'll likely finish around that this year in the 45 to 50 point year this is what you're expecting from him. Adam Henry came over and did extremely well. I don't think anybody could have predicted that he'd have 20 goals in, in 57 games coming over to Anaheim. It just worked out significantly better for the Ducks that, that he came over and did that well. Plus, he was thrust into, for half the year, a first-line center role with Ryan yeah. Getzlaff out of the lineup. Same with uh, Ryan Kessler. So, had a yeah. bit of a different opportunity to do that last year as well. I don't think he's been that bad. I don't know if, if he's going to be included in trades. I think he is not one of the guys who's untouchable, like the, like that, like yeah. said. He he's a guy that if there was a good offer, I think they would take it. But I don't mm. think he should be included in that criticism of guys who haven't been that good. You know, we've criticized uh, Ricard Raquel for not being that good. We've criticized Jakob Silverberg at points. Obviously, Ryan Kessler has been criticized. But Adam Henrique has pretty much done what he's done for his entire career. So I think their criticism for him is a little bit unwarranted.
2: Yeah. I think we maybe a little bit spoiled, what we saw at the end of last season. Yep. That became the expectation, uh, not the exception to what he's done. Um, the other thing is, too, is, you know, we're, we're, we're thin on centers. Uh, we, got, we got Getzloff, Kessler's down, and then if you trade out Henrique, who's after that? Um, you know, I mean, you got, well, Derek Grant, obviously. Why he's still not... Yeah, how
1: you that forgetting about, him? But...
2: <laughs> but that being said, I, I don't think Henrique is like, uh, act. Bob is not actively shopping him is no. what I would say. I would say if it came down to trade deadline and someone was like, we need, we would love to have him, that could be, you know, thinking he can maybe kind of come in, do something, be a good center, give us that center depth that a lot of teams like going into the playoffs and they might overpay. And if they overpay for him, then I can see him being moved out. Uh, but like I said, I don't think it's something that they're they're like, well, this guy's, He's not what we thought. Let's let's see who wants him. Like like when Bob Murray got pissed off and started making those trades, he was just pissed off at the team and at the players and was finding someone to ship to. But I don't think he's actively shipping Henrique because I don't think they're going to do too much with with their center depth because they they've lost a lot of that center depth from last year or the seasons before.
1: Yeah, and we've heard trade rumors surrounding the Ducks all year, but you know they go into the game on the 23rd on Wednesday against a team who's also been. Surrounded with a ton of trade rumors recently because of how bad they've played in the St. Louis Blues. They've had an abysmal season compared to what they were supposed to do. A lot of people, including myself, predicted them to be top of the Central Division because of the moves that they made. They brought in Maroon, Bozak. They brought in David Perron, Perron Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah. Like They had stacked up to make a very good run this year. And goaltending, among other things, uh, Tarasenko drying up a bit. They just oh, yeah. haven't been good. They're at 500 now because they've gotten a little bit better, but a very similar situation to the Ducks. Um, yeah. it, it's a tough year. Like I said, Jake Allen, not been great for them. They had, I believe, uh, actually Allen was, they're not They don't have listed as a backup. I can't remember who was with Allen, but Allen's played 36 games this year. They
2: had Hutton last year, but Hutton's yeah. gone.
1: It was Allen, and then I can't remember who the other guy they had. I believe yeah, they shipped him out. But either way, Jordan Bennington. Has come up. And uh, you yeah. don't see this often where a guy who was, I guess, highly touted when he was drafted, he was a third round pick as a goaltender. That's fairly high because since yeah. usually the highest. I think Gibby,
2: players, I, wasn't Gibby a third or Gibby second. Gibby was a
1: second round. And that's yeah. generally where you see the best goalies nowadays, like Carter Hart, where did the second round? Rarely do you see a goaltender get drafted in the first round anymore. But yeah. it's taken him this long to finally get established. He made one start back in 2015 16 and did not play that well. And now he comes in this year. He's made played seven games. He's got a 4-0-1 record, one shutout, a 936 save percentage, and a 162 goals against average. And who would have thought the St. Louis Blues are actually playing somewhat decent behind good goaltending? Uh, so sure. it could be an interesting matchup. The question mark for them still comes up front, though. Because... Yeah. Tarasenko like I said this year on the season 16 goals in 46 games this is a guy who's supposed to be a 30 to 40 if not 50 goal threat and Ryan O'Reilly has turned into the offensive machine there with 48 points in 47 games I think it's going to be a tough matchup but definitely not if you looked and marked this one at the beginning of the year you would have thought that this would be a game the Ducks would have uh, their hands full but maybe not
2: yeah, exactly. Yeah, it depends who's in there. And, and Jake Allen, you know, I've been a fan of his style, but he's inconsistent, and that's been it. You kind of like look at some of his games. Oh, they have a game where well, he has ninety-four or five save percentage. The next game, it's eight-six, and then the very next game, it's you know nine-two-three, and then it goes down to eight-eight-six-one. I mean, yeah. it, it's just back and forth. It's it's bipolar as you get as far as goaltending goes. Uh, so, you know, he's struggled mightily with inconsistency, and uh, you can't have that. But the team is also not doing what they, they had been known for doing. And when your top guy is scoring 16 goals, and, I mean, that's just barely better than Silverberg and Kasha. I mean, at that point, uh, you're, you're in a little bit of trouble. Uh, Maroon's come in, you know, on a nice deal, but I think he's got like three goals. So, I mean, he's at Cogliano-type uh, goals losing fights to char all over the place. But uh, they they've got their own issues they gotta try and work out before the season's you know, lost. The only good news is they aren't that far away from a you know a wild card spot just like the ducks. Yeah, so just, it's the West uh, is
1: just it, awful this year.
2: It is as far as the wild card and the Pacific. Uh, yeah. well, the Pacific division's gotten a little bit uh, off. There. Even the bottom
1: of the Central sense. too, because you've got Colorado yeah. and St. Louis and Minnesota that are sitting right around where Anaheim and uh, and others are down there as well. Edmonton's yeah. up there as well. Arizona's making a push. You have got all these yeah. teams around 500 that are making so. a push for the wild card.
2: Yeah. So after the All Star break, especially that's where, if you want to in the playoffs, you just gotta. This is where you got to wake up and start doing it if you're going to do it. Yeah. Um, but uh, if you ever want to know who you think might make the playoffs, look at the goal differential. Uh, I've said this before. Um, if they're a minus, there's only been one team in the last five year. that's been a minus that actually got into the playoffs, and that was the Flyers, were minus two. Only other time they weren't a plus was another team was I can't remember, but it was in the East and they were even. Other than that, you've got to be a plus in goal differentials. Look like at the Ducks; I think they're minus twenty-three or twenty-nine. They're they're nowhere close. So. Uh, I doubt they're going to have their uh, success, but St. Louis is, I think, minus 17. So unless they start all of a sudden getting goal scoring and tighten up on defense, uh, they're they're probably going to be in trouble too. So battle for crappy teams in yeah. the West. I think we're going to see gonna it, it this th- <laughs> year. I think
1: we might see it because uh, every A lot team, of them are minuses. Every right single now. team in the wild card or outside the playoffs in the West are minus right now. Some teams closer than the others. Dallas is minus two. Minnesota's minus five. Um, But the Ducks, they are one of the worst. They're minus 29. The only teams worse are Chicago minus 35 and LA minus 37. And that uh, is actually some of the worst in the league. The Ducks are very, very close to being in the bottom. But looking at the standings here, I want to get back to the game, one team that surprised Mm -hmm. me that's crept up in here is the uh, Vancouver Canucks are now holding down that second wildcard spot on the same amount of games played As the Ducks, so not only now are they fighting with Dallas, with Minnesota, with Edmonton, who's creeping back up, Arizona, and St. Louis. Vancouver has somehow made a resurgence, and their record is above 500 as well, and they've only got a minus 11 goal differential. So this is going to go down to the wire. And like you said, if you want to make the playoffs, you got to finish. Maybe they won't reverse that goal differential, but the second half of this season, or the after the All Star break you've got to finish that rest of those games with a plus school differential. And if you're the Ducks, a significant difference.
2: Yeah, substantial, which is why I don't have a whole lot of faith in it. And then even if they do, the only way they make any sort of noise is if they luck out and Calgary is still top in the division and then the Ducks happen to play them. That might be their only saving grace because they've had some success against Calgary. But um, Calgary's having a hell of a season and uh, the decks would have to be on one hell of a hot streak and change pretty much everything they've been doing all season to to get me to believe they can do anything in the postseason better than they did last year against San Jose. they just I, I don't see know. any any sign that that's going to happen, though.
1: No, and it's it's obviously not. It's not really the goals against the, the defense or the goaltending. Obviously, that's an issue in Anaheim. 148 yeah. goals against isn't that bad. It's, it's not even close to being some of the worst in the conference, let alone the league. It's the goals for 119 yeah. goals for second worst in the league. L.A. is the only team who scores less goals than the Ducks, and they'll chip <laughs> away at that with a game in hand. So the Ducks are going to only really have six goals away from being bottom of the league. So that's been the issue so far this year. But with the All-Star break coming up, hopefully with that coupled with the Ducks having their bye week, you've got a long period of time off. I've got a week, I believe it is, from the 25th to february 2nd it's about a week to eight or nine nine
2: days off between st louis and then their next game so they they get that break hopefully maybe some of those minor injuries to some of the players we've talked about caution silverberg uh they start coming back perry has been skating um we don't know exactly how soon miller coming back might make a little bit nicer for these back-to-back games if they start coming up a little bit more often so You know that's a welcome break after St. Louis. I just hope they aren't looking past St. Louis to get to that break. Let's try and end it with a win, and then take your rest because uh, you got to earn that rest at this point, boys. Because uh, it hasn't uh, <laughs> hasn't been there this season.
1: No, it, it hasn't, and it's going to be interesting because you, you think. You know, Kessler and Silverberg, their IR time, like their time that they have to remain on the IR is coming up. They should be able to return easily after the break. Yeah. You would hope that that is enough time to rehab. Same goes with Andre Cascio. Hopefully, you know, his arm was just in the sling, as we saw it was reported. Hopefully, he should be coming back. Patrick Eaves will be done his conditioning alone in San Diego, so he'll have to yep. return or go on yeah. the IR uh, or just be a healthy scratch, which I doubt they'll do. Yeah. And that only leaves Corey Perry, who is presumably skating, and yeah. is hoping to still make a return in March. So the Ducks will be almost 100% healthy for yeah. close to the first time this year uh, with the amount of times that the guys are going out. I don't know if that's going to make a difference. Uh, it, it, okay. Hopefully it will. Hopefully they'll be able to turn things around. There's no way they're going to get uh, a division spot at this point. No. And no. This, no. the scary thing about that, yeah. of course teams have good home records, but it just seems like this year the three Pacific Division teams are almost un- Beatable at home. Calgary mm. Flames are 16-4 and 5 at home. San Jose Sharks are 17-4 four and 4, and the Vegas Golden Knights are 16-4 and 3. That's likely who you're facing in the first yeah. round of the playoffs, unless you finish in a wild card spot that ends up playing either Winnipeg or Nashville, whoever finishes first it's in that uh, in the Central Division. And guess what? Both of them, of course, are good at home as well. So yeah. it's going to be tough at this point. If the Ducks squeak in, we know it's going to be a wild-card spot unless they go on a ridiculous run and one of the other teams falls off, which it doesn't yeah. seem likely. When you look at they are also probably three of the hottest teams in the league in the last 10 yeah. games. And Calgary is 8-1-1. Vegas is 8-2-0. And, and San Jose is 7-3-0. So all of a sudden a division that was dog shit for the entire year is
2: producing three of the best teams in the league. Yeah. Yeah fun times so this was an upper of a podcast thanks for tuning yeah. in everyone yeah.
1: <laughs> last thing uh i want to get to before we ended up we actually almost got to an hour which has been uh, been a little bit crazy but uh, uh, want to talk <laughs> talking about... about other
2: teams to do it yeah
1: really that's <laughs> back-to-backs are always tough guys all right so we yeah. gotta we gotta interject some other team talk in there sometimes <laughs> but we'll finish it with some ducks talk because i want to talk about max jones because i think Definitely I have, and I, I believe you have as well, have liked the way he's played since he's come up from San Diego. Uh, with these guys presumably coming back after the All-Star break, do you think he's done enough to stay up? Do you think you know he does all the little things that coaches love? He hasn't got on the score sheet yet, but he's come close. Do you think he's earned himself a spot
2: despite all four of these guys coming back? Um. I, I think he's earned it I don't once again I don't feel him going down much with Terry going back down to San Diego it's necessarily a bad thing it's not you, know, you didn't do enough to stay up here and, you know work harder because you're not that you're not good enough he's got all the skill sets that you want uh, especially in a young player and especially you know what we kind of lack which is great but at this point it's going to be wasted and I'd really hate you know he's been nice that he's been here for two wins and then he saw what he you know what happened here and i don't see a whole lot of changing in results even though their line has been our best line the last couple of games um i feel he's much better served going down to san diego have fun play again with troy terry get back here in training camp next year yeah. and you'll be ready to go i feel that it's better suited for him to do that even though i would love to see him continue to play in anaheim uh i i feel At this point, let's maybe start thinking about what we're going to see next season versus what we're seeing now. And I don't think they're going to really want to burn any part of uh, his uh, entry-level contract on this season. Doesn't doesn't make sense.
1: No, doesn't. I I hope he stays up. But if all those guys come back, there's no point in burying him on the fourth line when likely we already talked about yesterday. With Troy Terry and Max Jones being waiver-exempt, they're the easiest guys to send down at this point, so yeah. that that's likely what we're going to get. But that about wraps up the show, despite a, a couple things we always have to get to at the end. But yes. for Wednesday's game, likely I think Pat is going to be back. So it's mm-hmm. going to be one of us with Pat on, uh, on the Wednesday game against St. Louis. So Pat will be back on the show. Um, if mm-hmm. you haven't checked it out, we're on Twitch now. Uh, we're doing some gaming stuff on there now, NHL 19, and a couple other things. Haven't streamed in the last few days, but with the Ducks having back-to-back games and uh, us recording a couple of Patreon bonus shows, we've been a little bit busy. But make yep. sure you check us out at twitch.tv forevermighty. We'll be streaming there as often as we can, including a possible trade deadline live show and a couple other live reaction shows that we're hoping to do in the future. Eventually, we're working on moving the podcast over there, so if you want to get a head start, make sure you go over there and follow us to get notifications when we go live. Uh, cool Hockey as well. The Forever Mighty Three Stars, which I just found out today, the last game is on Wednesday
2: in St. Louis. Yeah, because you said at the end of the last one, it's like there's plenty of time yeah. in the month. You have plenty of time to get back them the like, There's like two more games. Well, I looked it's not at it. I was like, time. oh, it's January 19th. There's still like
1: 11 <laughs> days left in this month. There's plenty of time. Anyone anyway like, yeah. can win. <laughs> but uh, So now there's, I'm going to update the standings for tomorrow. There's only one game left, so you'll have the updated standings if you want to look for them on Twitter to be able to see who is where you don't have a lot of time to get caught up. It will be a bonus, uh, a bonus for everybody three stars. So there will be four questions. So you'll have four chances to get points. So there is for anybody who's within four points of the leader, there is still time to win. If you get a, a perfect night and the leader ends up faltering, but we'll have that updated tomorrow. Uh, make sure you check out the recent interview that we had with paul campbell me and jason interviewed him it was a great interview it's up on spreaker itunes it's on spotify it's pretty much everywhere but youtube still because we're still trying to work to get that interview up but we had some great talk about john gibson uh, and pretty much everything you could want with goalies and last but not least we have recorded a couple of Patreon episodes, a couple of Patreon bonus episodes, sorry, and we're recording a new one, our Q&A show, I believe, tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. And that will be going up, so make sure you check us out there. Uh, if you like listening to this podcast, we do four bonus episodes a month over there, five uh, for our $5 tier, we have three. And for our $10 tier, we have a bonus extra one that comes with it. It's our Pucks and Brews show. We get probably, to church. Probably the most fun we have doing some of the oh, bonus yeah. episodes because uh, we get to talk not just Ducks hockey, but just uh, regular NHL news and just pretty much anything in general. Any, anybody that yeah. wants to bring us any topics to talk about, we usually throw them in there. So that's uh, a lot of fun as well
2: yeah, and especially we try and uh, time those ones out. So it's something where uh, any of the the Patreon people can listen to us live and drink along if they want, and then they can chat with us and we we're constantly interacting. So if you want to be kind of part of that Patreon thing, you can literally chime in. And we We answer your questions live. But we're all having you know beers, except Eddie, he doesn't really drink at all and uh, besides water. And uh, it's, but it's a lot of fun. It's much more free flow and a, a, a lot of fun to see more of our personalities. We don't have to necessarily talk about what just happened with the Ducks game.
1: Yep. So like, uh, like we said, make sure you check all those things out Uh follow us on, on social media. If you want to get caught up with when we're going to be going live and, and when Forever Mighty three stars is going to be going up and catch us on Wednesday against the St. Louis blues. Hopefully the Ducks can end it out with a win before going on to the all-star break where we're all going to watch John Gibson, hopefully, actually get some good players in front of
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'd be nice right he All deserves right it take care guys <laughs> bye guys
0: thanks for ruining my show by the way that's it i'm sorry you guys had to
1: sit through that but this is an obligation contract obligation they told me so um my kneecaps are sweating and i really got to go to the bathroom so um
2: i'm gonna have to let you guys go thank you bye